0: Oh, welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker. You are listening to episode 196, creeping up on 200 episodes here. Can you believe it? Today is Sunday, June the 21st, and uh, of course, if you guys want to catch a show live, subscribe on Facebook or YouTube and turn on your notifications. Sunday, June 21st, Father's Day, so very happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there doing the right thing. And I always have to clarify that. Um, I feel like father's day is, is something that's a, a privilege to be able to celebrate. It's it's something that's earned. It's not something that should be automatic because my personal feeling, and I, I haven't been a father very long, but being a father is really challenging and really exhausting. Uh, if you give a shit and if you don't, then it's not. And you're you're not doing it right, probably. In any case, we got some uh, fights to talk about. Uh, But before we do that, let me welcome all the way from New Jersey, Jeff, the animal, Wilson. Jeff, happy Father's Day, just in case, my man.
1: (laughs) Thanks. Hopefully, (laughs) hopefully we're not there yet, Bill. But (laughs) happy Father's Day to you, man. I always see you posting the pictures and, and the Instagram stories with the baby. I love it. I love that you're involved. Um, You know, not everybody can say that about their dad. So, Bill, I don't know how to be a dad, but I assume you're doing a good job. I don't either, Jeff.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's a a very much learn as you go. And, of course, you know, all the stuff that that goes on social media, for those of you who are friendly with me on my personal social media, that's only the good stuff, obviously. Um, But, man, there are some trying times. Uh, especially with with a toddler, where you know they're kind of exploring new feelings and and new ways just to go about existing in this world, and you know they're they're growing and and feeling things that they don't understand, and they get frustrated, and uh, there are just some days, man. I I had a day yesterday where I was you know like couldn't do anything right, you know, and you, you have a lot of those, but it uh it, it really forces you to feel like you earned the good moments you know like all the stuff that you do see on social media like the hugs and the singing and the dancing and and uh, you know trying on dresses and 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 being goofy and silly you know just being a dad um Really makes you feel like you earn those moments by by going through the uh, trials and tribulations of toddlerhood, which <laughs> I never I never knew how how difficult it would be. So again, um, for all the dads out there who are doing it full time and and uh, don't just call it in, don't just phone it in. Uh, happy Father's Day to all of you. Happy Father's Day to my dad. Uh, I know you watch occasionally. Um, happy Father's Day to Mister Animal Wilson. and uh (laughs) and all the other dads out there um you know hope you guys get a chance to do some barbecuing today and and uh relax forget about uh, some of the craziness going on in the world um jeff i'm at war here in florida um and you know about this war it's against mosquitoes and um as we're starting the rainy season again the mosquitoes are coming back full force and um it i'm i'm losing a lot of battles here jeff i'm not giving up on the war but uh it's a fight man i uh i went for a bike ride to a local park uh yesterday and um had the kiddo on the on the front of the bike and you know she likes to ride the bike and uh, we're going through the park and there's like this little trail where you can see gopher tortoises you know they come they they burrow in the ground and you know they'll pop out and you can't get too close to them because they run away and they're also protected. So you can't touch them or anything, but we stopped to look at this tortoise. And all of a sudden I just felt like I was being stuck with like acupuncture needles. Like I'd never felt anything like this before or, or like bee stings. These mosquitoes went up my shirt, Jeff, and they were in there and I had shorts on. They chewed me alive. And I'm like, I, I couldn't start pedaling the bike fast enough. I almost couldn't react. And I'm like trying to pedal the bike and balance her and like swap mosquitoes away from her and try and swat the ones inside my shirt. <laughs> like <laughs> I, oh, I, a, I must have looked like a cartoon. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm like trying to And of course I hit like a thing of dirt and I couldn't get the, the bike moving. And I'm like swatting around. It was terrible, but, um, I'm rigging up the mosquitoes because I recently, um, a a buddy of mine works for like a big exterminator company. So he hooked me up and, um, you know, he he was going to have the outside of my house sprayed. So I'm a couple of months into it and it helps a little bit, but right next to my house is like a big wooded area. I'm on a dead end street and there's all these dense woods. So, you know, they can't, they can't spray the whole woods. So. I'm talking to this guy. He's telling me how uh, he was a Marine, Jeff, and and how when he was in the Marines, after they would eat dinner, they would come out of the chow hall and the the drill sergeant, I guess, would make them line up and and just let the mosquitoes eat them. He's like, you guys just got to eat. And now it's the mosquitoes turn to eat. And they weren't allowed to swat them away. They just had to stand there and take it. I guess it was like a mental toughness thing. And if if any of them would have killed a mosquito, like if they swatted it on their arm, the, the drill sergeant made them have a funeral for it and bury it in the sand. And I was like, oh, my God, that sounds horrible. And um, I said to him, I, I could see wh- now why you got into this line of work. Um and where I was going with that joke was like, you know, you want to get revenge on these mosquitoes. And he just looks like kind of distant. He goes, Yeah, gotta have something to kill. <laughs> and just <laughs> and just kind of just kind of spaced off like that. Oh and, man. And then he kind of snapped out of it and he looks at me and I could see the instant regret on his face that he had said that. And like, I get it, Jeff. I'm, you know, I've got a dark sense of humor, but, um, you know, if you say something like that to the wrong person, if you, you know, if you're spraying mosquitoes for, for one of the Karens of the world out there, <laughs> this <laughs> that could cost you your career. I mean, <laughs> luckily it was me. I'm very understanding. I have a, a lot of friends in the military. I know, you know, the kind of sense of humor they develop uh going through something like that and this guy like it was only like the second time i met him <laughs> but it did freak me out a little bit he's like i have something to kill
1: <laughs> <laughs> i want to
0: like slowly back away like that homer simpson where he goes into the bushes <laughs> oh, anyway man. jeff i um oh that was a fun little light-hearted father's day story to share <laughs> um anything anything you want to share um you know before we get into some fights here you want to just jump into it i don't think i can top that this week man (laughs) so so why don't we get into some fights here yeah um before we talk about the fights that did happen we didn't have a chance to talk about the the fight that never came to Mm. be and of course that was matt the steamroller for vola and uh Frank, the crank Camacho. Um, I'm really bummed. I was so bummed out uh, for my buddy Steamroller because I know how hard he worked. And he was waiting for a fight during this quarantine. Trained his ass off. Uh, you know, had to move his camp around. You know, it was a little too restrictive in New York. He came down to Tampa. He was training in Tampa. They get all the way out to Vegas. They, he's he's on weight, ready to go. And uh, his Cornerman UFC fighter, Billy Quarantello tested positive for coronavirus. Now he had no symptoms. As far as I know, he still doesn't felt fine. Um, and I know Billy felt horrible as well. Um, because you know, he wouldn't want to be the reason that, that, uh, steamroller couldn't fight. Um, and, and there's just not enough known about this thing. Like even though steamroller himself tested negative, they said, look, we don't know if this thing is living in you and incubating and, and it's not showing up on the test yet or, or whatever the case. So uh, he had to be pulled from the fight. And, you know, you got to you gotta err on the side of caution with these things. Uh, but, man, what a bummer because I know, uh, you know, how much he put into this and he was looking real good, real sharp in the gym and everything. And that was going to be a great fight. Um, but, yeah, big bummer. Shout out to my brother-in-law dave bernardino on the on the podcast here um yeah so i don't know jeff what did you you think when you hear when you heard a steamroll had to be pulled from the card yeah so first off shout out to dave the portuguese man
1: of war (laughs) and (laughs) excuse me and bill i was super let down man i was super excited for the Matt for fight you know all those guys coming out of tampa are, are tough dudes man uh billy q matt frivola and it's a shame because like you said we don't know enough about this bug or virus or whatever it is to really you know say if it's okay or not um mm-hmm. you know we had the same issue with uh Jakari Swoza, where you know uh he didn't have any symptoms but he was carrying it apparently or whatever happened <laughs> so yeah. you know it's a shame but you know i think that uh with states uh you know not mandating the quarantine or starting to slowly move away from that i I think we're moving somewhere in the right direction
0: yeah it seems like they've been able to keep it pretty safe like they've done uh i guess four or five events now and nobody's gotten it as a result uh, that i've heard of anyway um so that's good and even with last week with ian heinish uh his corner man tested positive and but it It was like before he got on the plane. So he just stayed behind, but then it turned out to be a false positive. Uh, so he didn't actually have it. Uh, so Ian Heinrich didn't get to have one of his corner men, but he still was able to fight. I guess between then and now they changed the protocol where if your corner man has it, you, you know, they got to pull you. And, um, that's unfortunate, but anyway, let's get into the fights that did happen. UFC on ESPN 11, Headlined by the heavyweights, Curtis Blades and Alexander Volkov. Man, the the wrestling, Jeff. I mean, you don't see a whole lot of heavyweights who can wrestle like this. Uh, you know, the heavyweights typically don't have good grappling technique. There's a, a small handful who who have uh, throughout the course of history. You know, you got your Frank Mears. You got your Nogueras, your Verdums. um, but what usually happens with bigger guys is they end up muscling out of things and they don't learn proper techniques. So you don't get, you know, a whole lot of technique. Even, even Brock Lesnar was an outstanding wrestler. Didn't have great technique. He was just, he was just a monster. Um, Curtis blades has extremely technical wrestling for a big guy. And the fact that he was able to throw Volkov around like that for five rounds, uh was incredible to me now i I get a lot of people including dana white or like you know this was not an exciting fight um but for me to be able to do that to a man that size it it will never cease to impress me if you can do that if you can wrestle like that for 25 minutes like i would encourage anybody to wrestle like that for two minutes with with somebody who's not even resisting uh and and tell me how you feel after that you'll be sucking wind for sure Uh, wrestling is one of the most exhausting, uh, high paced things you could do. Uh, I think the actual sport of wrestling is more tiring than the sport of MMA. You know, if you're just talking about straight wrestling, uh, just because of the pace. And if guys are able to translate that pace into MMA, which a lot are not able to do, you know, you got Khabib, you got Curtis blades, you got GSP, um, and uphold that wrestling pace for 25 minutes. That's that's an outstanding feat to accomplish in my opinion. Now I'm just one guy and, and I understand that a majority of the people watching this want to see the heavyweights get in there and try and, you know, club each other's heads off. But, um, I was so impressed with Curtis blades. Um, give me your thoughts on this main event here, Jeff,
1: dude. I was so impressed with Curtis blades. Uh, one, like you said, the wrestling to be able to keep that up for five rounds and two, the cardio, You know, at the end of this fight, he didn't even look that sweaty, man. Uh, Curtis Blades Mm -hmm. must have cardio for days, dude. Um, I was just so impressed with him. And, you know, it looked like Volkov was doing a little bit better on the feet. And, you know, I'm going to admit this might not have been the most exciting fight, but Curtis Blades is getting in there and doing what he needs to do to get up in the rankings and put his name in the title picture, man. And I don't know if you can deny him um, after what he did to Volkov in that fight. You know, this is a guy who took Derek Lewis and almost beat him for in you know for five rounds, mm-hmm. so you you know I, I don't think you can deny Curtis Blades at this point. And Bill, I would love to see him fight either Stipe or DC and see who has the better grappling and wrestling. Man, um, you know Curtis Blades the way he was able to just not only go for one style of takedown, you know, the double leg was working for him really well, but when it wasn't, he was going for his trips and stuff, which I love mm-hmm. seeing, you know, and that's something we've talked about a lot is the chain wrestling is that, you know, you have to continue to wrestle You know, if you don't get it on the first takedown You keep trying until you do get it And that in itself, you know, just chaining takedowns Together is exhausting, dude um, I would even venture to say Like, you're, like you said um, Wrestling is definitely more exhausting than MMA It's definitely more exhausting than Jiu-Jitsu as well, man, because in Jiu-Jitsu And MMA, you kind of get periods Where you can rest for a little bit For lack of a better term, but in wrestling You're always going, dude, you're always doing Something, there's no space for you to really catch your breath
0: mm-hmm. yeah especially if you're in there with you have chances to rest unless you're in there with a guy like curtis blades who's just all over you but yeah the the transition from the double legs to the trips to the body locks i was impressed with the body locks just picking up volkov and throwing him a guy's six foot seven 247 pounds and he just throws him to the ground you know like he's a bag of dirt um <laughs> And credit to Volkov here because he showed some awesome, uh, cardio too. You know, yeah. he was, you know, when he wasn't getting smothered, he was, he was coming out swinging. He may have even won that fourth round when he busted Curtis's lip open. Uh, whatever judge gave Volkov two rounds, by the way, um, get the fuck out of here. Like <laughs> that's <laughs> two rounds. Two, that that means it was close. <laughs> this fight was not close. Uh, but I love Curtis blades in the post fight too. Cause his lip was busted open and he got a mouthful of stitches and he goes, yeah, I already have a speech impediment. So I don't know how this is going to go. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. That was awesome, man. I, I, am a big fan of Curtis blades. I, I always have been. I, I feel. I feel bad that he had those, you know, two unfortunate fights with Ngannou that will probably prevent him from getting a title shot. He's going to need one more. Um, I have a feeling they're going to make him fight maybe the winner of uh, Derek Lewis, Alexei Olenek, um, mm. he, he, something like that. Uh, they'll, they'll probably. I, I would like to see him and Olenek. Have they fought before? Is
1: I that- don't think so. But Pull up I his, also.
0: No, didn't. they haven't.
1: Yeah, so that's a good one to make.
0: Yeah, I mean if you look look at Curtis Blades' resume, all right, dominant win over Volkov, uh knocked out Junior Dos Santos in his last fight, knocked out Shamil Abdurakhimov before that, uh beat Justin Willis, then there was that that TKO Francis Ngannou which was a questionable stoppage. Uh then he he memory he knocked out Alistair Overeem before that with elbows, beat Mark Hunt. Oh, and then he did he he TKO'd Alexi Olenek back in uh, November, 2017. Um, so man, he's been on a tear that to, to, string together this many wins in a row at heavyweight is really impressive. You, you know, remember this is a division where the longest reigning champion won three fights in a row. Um, so, uh, it's unfortunate that he seems to be on Dana White's shit list. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know the backstory there. Um, but you know, hopefully it doesn't hold him from getting to that title because he's definitely earned it. Um, before we continue, Jeff, I I need to have a little father's day toast here. Um, the the wife was nice enough to uh, pick me up a bottle of high West bourbon here. Dave, if you're still on the broadcast, I know you're a fan of high West American prairie bourbon. This is, uh, this whiskey comes out of Utah. Uh, so, you know, all the bourbon snobs out there will be like, it's not a bourbon if it doesn't come from Kentucky. And I'm like, well, if it says bourbon on the label, then that's what it is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it so, makes sense uh, to me. <laughs> yeah. So it's uh this is the uh the prairie bourbon. It's got kind of a light color there, light brown color. It's like gold. It looks like gold. Is Utah where they where they did all the, the gold rush mining, Jeff? Uh, I think that was in California, Bill. Well, they must have started digging in Utah before they got to California.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I don't know uh, that part of history. I'm not
0: good with, so couldn't tell you. This is nice. It's like a, it's like a liquidy honey. Tastes good. I'm not gonna go too deep on the on the tasting notes, but um, really hits a spot right now. Um, and you know. This will help me get ready for the rest of the day. Get some barbecuing to do. I got a, I got some uh, snapper I'm gonna do Ooh, on the grill, nice. Caribbean style. It's gonna, um, it's gonna be a good day, Jeff. It's gonna be a good day. The in-laws coming over. All right, call me. I don't know how good that day is gonna be, Bill. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if the in-laws are coming over, yeah,
0: it's gonna be a good day. <laughs> <laughs> this will help me. Um, in any case, the co main event here, Jeff. Holy fuck. Uh fight a year, fight of ever. Um, for forget about the fact that Josh Emmett blows out his ACL in the first 15 seconds of the fight. Um which, which like I've done that and I know how painful it is. And, and this guy went and fought a war for 15 minutes after that. Throwing punches didn't look like he was hurt at all. Um, the thing with the ACL is that it it can pop and it'll only be painful if you move in certain directions. Usually, it's moving Mm -hmm. at angles, but you know, straight forward and straight back, uh, which is pretty much how Emmett was fighting a lot of the times. Um, you know, he did, he wasn't cutting a whole lot of angles, He, he fights coming straight at you. Um, I think he had intended to wrestle a little bit more and you could tell he had the advantage there, uh, but wasn't able to do it. You can't shoot for takedowns with a, with a blown out knee, but these guys were slinging for 15 minutes, like the, the pace and the shots they were absorbing, especially Burgos. Cause he was, he was taking shots from Emmett that we've seen put out guys, you know, warriors. Um, and just, My heart was, my heart's racing just thinking about this fight again. Uh, So, give me your thoughts on this co-main event, Jeff.
1: Dude, I loved it. Whatever, and I know I had a previous pick for fight of the year. This fight made me forget what that pick was. I mean, dude, Shane Burgos and Josh Emmett, excuse me, they just went at it for for three rounds. They, dude, for lack of a better term, they beat the shit out of each other, and they just kept moving forward, like. Dude, as, as great, you know, I honestly I wanted both of these guys to win. Shout out to Alexander Al listening from New Jersey. But dude, I was so excited for this fight. I mean, I honestly the the really I couldn't tell you who the winner was until the end of the third round. But before that, um could have been anybody's game. I had it about a round apiece. And <clears throat> credit to Shane Burgos, dude. He's so tough and he was throwing just as hard as Josh Emmett was. Um mm-hmm. You know, I would have liked Shane Burgos to, to kind of show a little bit more head movement, but dude, he was so technical and I for me, the leg kicks were doing a lot of damage. I felt like those are really, really winning him the fight. I think that if you take away that third round, maybe give it to Shane Burgos, but credit to Josh Emmett, man. He dropped him hard twice in that third round and that was just because Shane Burgos was so confident in his chin and taking all that damage, but man, I think the stock goes up for both of these guys, Bill. You um, you know, I, w- I want both of them to shoot up in the rankings here. Shane Burgos, um, I think he's been super underrated in this 145-pound division, man. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can deny him anymore. He's yeah. he's a really tough dude.
0: Yeah, for sure. And even the champ, Volkanovsky, was tweeting. He, he's got his eye on both of these guys, uh, even after the fight was over and the winner was declared. I saw a lot of people calling it a draw. Um, I, I could see that. You know, if you scored the first two for Burgos and you give – uh, Emmett a 10-8 in the third. I'm I'm good with that. Um, but you know, if you give Emmett the, the second and the third, I'm good with that too. Um <clears throat> you know the, the 10-8 in the third is is definitely deserved. I mean he he uh, he came real close to finishing Burgos a couple of times and it was such an exciting fight. I think the short list for fight of the year has to be uh Joanna and, and uh Wiley Zhang uh Billy Quarantillo and and uh, Spike Carlisle, and this fight, uh, Josh Emmett and Shane Burgos. Those are the three uh, that are on my short list right now. And we usually don't talk about, you know, whatever is of the year. But, I mean, when it's this obvious and everybody's saying it, um, you, you know, you, you can't really ignore it. So, awesome fight. And uh, unfortunately for Emmett, I don't know how long he's going to be sidelined with this knee injury. Hopefully it's it's not as bad as uh his corner is predicting that that he blew out his acl uh, you know hopefully it's just you know like a bad sprain on the tendon uh instead of like a tear or or something that would require surgery because that could put him out for like a year and he's already you know been sidelined with a bunch of injuries um but yeah, man, I'd love to see both of these guys back in there. Burgos looked better in a loss than some of these guys at 145 have looked uh, in their victories recently. So I don't disagree with you that they should both move up in the rankings. Um, fun fun fight in the bantamweight division. Raquel Pennington kind of looked like she got back to her old self against Marion Renaud. Um the, the story of this fight was the tie clinch from Pennington and those knees to the body uh, that just drained the life out of Marion Renault, uh, who, who's really tough and, you know, credit to her, but you could just tell that her, her tank was, was sucked dry, uh, from those knees by Pennington. Um, and she was able to to grab that, that tie plum, uh, pretty easily. Uh, and I I think if she got a little bit more space, she didn't keep getting it up against the cage and she could have snuck some knees, uh, through to the face. Um, it could have been nighty-night for Marion Um, But, yeah, I, I thought she looked good. You know, her and her partner both had uh, big decision victories on this card. Uh, of course, Tisha Torres. So, um, big big wins for Pride Month. Dostia. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I thought Raquel Pennington looked awesome in there, dude. Um, you know, we haven't seen her in the cage in a while, so it was good to get her and Tisha Torres on the same card. And man, that bodywork was working wonders for Raquel Pennington, man. You could see it, you know, by the third round, Mary Renault was taking some deep breaths. She didn't want to be in there anymore. So good for Raquel Pennington back in the win column. And hopefully she can be a little bit more consistent, you know, with everything starting to cool down a little bit.
0: Yeah, and it could benefit her that the champ Amanda Nunez is talking about possibly walking away because she has nothing left to achieve. I I don't really see Nunez going back to 135 anyway, since she's so dominant at 145. Like, why bother cutting the weight? Um that could be good news for a lot of girls in that division because uh, you know, she just makes everybody look like they don't even belong there. Uh Bilal Muhammad getting the unanimous decision over Lyman good. Um and, and did it largely standing up with him, uh, which, you know, might surprise a lot of people. You know, Bilal is known for being a high-level Rappler, but, um, you know, he was in there, man. He was landing some shots. I also thought Lyman Good was going to be a lot bigger than Bilal, but I, I always forget how big he is. Um, I don't know why I feel that about him. But uh, when I saw him in there and they were, like, of comparable size and and he was landing, like, Some of those distance uppercuts he was landing, like really nice, clean strikes, uh, good technique. I feel like uh, probably the best striking we've seen from Bilal Muhammad um, ever.
1: Yeah, dude. I was impressed with Bilal Muhammad. His head movement was good. You know, he didn't, he didn't want to fight in a phone booth. Uh, I thought he went about this very, very intelligently, um, you know, good fight from him. And this was another, for me, this was a really exciting fight, Bill. This was another back and forth fight, man. Lyman good, um, came out really, really strong in that second round as well. So, you know, I get heading into the third, I wasn't sure. I kind of had it about a round apiece. So good for Bilal Muhammad and Lyman good, you know, um, Both of them looked great in there. You know, I was a little worried for Bilal Muhammad just because I I don't know why, Bill. I don't know if it's because he's not as, uh, I guess, ripped, for lack of a better term, as some of the other guys in this division. But Uh I thought Lyman Good was going to be a lot bigger than him. But Lyman Good also looks like he was drawn in like a comic book or something.
0: Yeah, he really does, especially like with the tattoos and the guys jacked. Um, Very underrated fighter, too. Uh, and you know, he was able to survive, uh, with Bilal Muhammad on his back, which, you know, not a lot of people can, can make that same claim, but that was a fun fight. Um, the one that topped it for me though, was the one right before it. And I I think deserving of a performance bonus, which I believe he did get. And that's Jim Miller, man. Uh, what can you say about Jim Miller? I think he's got the most UFC fights and like the most bonuses and, um, Now he's creeping up the list for most submission wins. Uh, The guy still looks sharp. I mean, this young lion, Roosevelt Roberts, was supposed to come in here and annihilate him. Um, You know, this was supposed to be a name on Roosevelt Roberts' resume, let's be honest. Uh, But Jim Miller, I guess nobody told him because (laughs) he came in, caught a low kick, put Roberts on his back, and then it was just that old school grappling pressure, man. Pass the guard, you know. Get on top, get the back. He got a little too high. He, you know, slipped over the top. But grab that arm just in time, and then winds up on his back. And Roberts is like, "Let me throw a hammer fist in here, real quick." And Jim Miller's like, "Thanks." <laughs> and then the the way that this happened was the arm that was being armbarred was on top of the other arm, which just puts more leverage on the joint. And it also doesn't allow Roberts to tap. So he had to tap verbally on top of that. He was trying to pick Jim up. So it's Jim's entire body weight. Usually it's just the hips pushing up and the arm being pulled down. That's the only pressure on the joint. But in this scenario, since Roberts was picking him up in the air, it was Jim's entire body weight, which, probably at the time of the fight, they weighed in at 160 pounds. Cause this was a catch weight, 170, 175 pounds leverage of the bottom half of your arm, um, being separated from the top half over your other arm. I don't know if I did justice in describing that. Like if you guys didn't see the fight, you have to watch it and maybe you'll understand what I'm talking about. Or, you, you know, maybe it's too early in the day for me to be drinking bourbon. Um, <laughs> And in any case, uh, how impressed were you with with uh, your your fellow Jerseyman, Jim Miller, Jeff?
1: Oh, dude, I love Jim Miller. And, dude, what a submission. I mean, it looked kind of like um, Roosevelt Roberts was slipping out the back door, getting out from, from back control uh, by Jim Miller, and then, boom, he just slaps on that armbar so fast. I mean, Roosevelt Roberts, he did the right thing at first. He was kind of holding his own. Um, arm with his free arm to, you know, uh, keep Jim Miller from extending that arm. And as soon as he got a second, Jim Miller just cranked that arm bar and boom. It was game over. Um, Like you said, Roosevelt Roberts had both of his arms tied up, so he had to tap verbally, and that's how you know that Jim Miller had a tight armbar on him. Good for him, dude. Glad to see Jim Miller back to his old self, man. He was talking about how he was feeling a little bit more explosive lately, so good for him. Super, super excited for him, and I'm glad he got back in the win column.
0: Yeah, man, you you gotta be happy for Jim Miller with everything that he's been through with the Lyme disease. And he said, he's just starting to feel like he's getting his athleticism back. How crazy is that? After 400 UFC fights, and he had that terrible Lyme disease. Um, and you know, it sucked the life out of him and it looked like he might've been done for a little while. And then he comes back and has performances like this, uh, against guys who, you know, he's supposed to be, he's supposed to be a check mark on their resume. You know, that's what this was supposed to be. I think that's what Roosevelt Roberts expected, uh, credit to Roosevelt Roberts for, you know, fighting just a couple of weeks ago. Um, but you know, if you're going to go in there with Jim Miller, you, you got to expect a tough night. And, yeah. You got to um, pack a lunch, dude. Uh, this was a fight. Uh, the one before it was one. I, uh, I never thought about. Happening. And, um, when it was announced, I was like, wow, I never thought about that happening. And then I, I kind of forgot about it. And then right before it started, I was like, holy shit, this is an amazing fight. Bobby green and clay Guida. Um, Guido looks like he may have lost like an eighth of a step from <laughs> from, from you know the, the days of old like he he wasn't quite as as wild with the with the wrestling but like the timing's still there man uh you know he, even without that he was still able to get in on those takedowns and the way he transitions from the strikes you know he's got a fist in your face and then he's mm-hmm. in on your legs Um, and I've always admired that about Clay Guida, uh, you know, Bobby Green did a good job, uh, you know, kind of pacing himself and and not trying to punch himself out, um, picking his shots. Uh, so we saw a real patient Bobby Green, uh, which was, which was fun. Uh, and you know, he came away at the victory. I, um, I didn't see it that way. I had scored it for Guida, but, um, I may have to go back and rewatch it i know i know the commentators were kind of saying we kind of implying like oh bobby green's been on the the wrong side of some bad decisions in the past and i don't know if the judges can hear that or not and if they were influenced but um you know i thought without without the commentators just watching the fight i had scored it for guida um but I don't know. What what did you see, Jeff?
1: You know, Bill, I'm kind of in the same boat. I kind of had it more for Guida because of the grappling and the wrestling. But, um, you know, I might have to go back and watch this one too because Bobby Green was doing really well on the feet. So, you know, I I think I got to go back and watch this one. Uh, But still, an exciting fight nonetheless.
0: Yeah, man. And I have to address a a comment from uh, our buddy, Serena de Jesus here, uh, who says it's probably too early for me to drink bourbon. Um, <laughs> but, uh, she loves us anyway. And I appreciate that. But remember Serena, you're all the way in Vegas where it's like not even 10 AM yet. Uh, it's well afternoon <laughs> here and it's father's day. So, uh, I'm going to be sipping the rest of this show. <laughs> um, Tisha Torres looks phenomenal against a newcomer, Brianna, uh, Van Buren. Uh, I, I had a good feeling about Van Buren, you know, the things I heard about her and just kind of her swagger coming into the ring. She looks so focused, so confident. Um, you, you know, she wrestled for Daniel Cormier in high school. So it obviously she can grapple. Um, and, and he had a lot of great things to say about her, but, um, I think Tisha Torres just really showed her experience in here. And that was, that was the big difference maker uh, in my opinion. You know, she was able to put that veteran pressure on Van Buren that she just wasn't ready for. You know, that's a, that's a big ass to get in there with a Tisha Torres yeah. uh, for your UFC debut. Uh, you know, the, the tiny tornado put it on her and she looked good, man. She looked real good. Uh, both her and her—is it? Are they married, Jeff? I—I I don't recall if her I, and Cal Petty are married. They're just—they live together.
1: Yeah, so, I'm not a hundred percent sure on that one. They might just be living together, but I—I'm uh, not
0: sure. I don't really follow relationships
1: yeah. of celebrities.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm—I'm I'm with you, obviously. Um, so, you know, they both looked great on the same card. So he, he can't ask for more than that. You know, you get to go home with your partner, and you get both get to celebrate a victory. Um, yeah, so that was good. And then uh, the rest of the card, I was kind of, uh, I was kind of in and out on the prelims. I did unfortunately catch uh, Roxanne Matafere losing a unanimous decision to Lauren Murphy. Uh, hopefully, that doesn't derail all the momentum she had uh, coming off that big win over Macy Barber, which was one of the most impressive things I've seen. And if you'll recall that fight, Macy had blown out her ACL in that fight and Roxanne didn't attack it, uh, because she didn't want to do any permanent damage to her opponent. And that's just the kind of person she is. Uh, so big respect to Roxanne Mataferi. I'm sure she'll bounce back stronger from this. She always has a great attitude. Uh, Marc Andre Barial getting the TKO over Oscar Pechota. Jillian Robertson, uh, submits Courtney Casey, uh, after, you know, avoiding a lot of submissions herself, uh, catches are her late in the fight third round, four minutes, 36 seconds. Uh, Justin James comes in on three days notice to knock out Frank Camacho, who is supposed to fight, uh, Matt steamroller for Vola. So, uh, man, shitty week for Frank Camacho, his opponent to who he'd been training for for a couple of weeks, uh, pulls out and then he gets knocked out in 40 seconds. Uh, so unfortunate for him, but you know, great news for Justin James, who comes off the bench, um, you know, with a big clubbing knockout of a, of a guy with an incredible chin and Frank Camacho. And then, uh, before we get to the first fight, Jeff, uh, just tell me, uh, out of the ones I just mentioned who impressed you the most.
1: Well, Bill, I'll be honest with you. I liked all three of them, but I was most impressed with Marc-Andre Bariel, um against Oscar Pachota Pe- uh, here. Uh, might be mispronouncing that name. I apologize to Oscar Pachota. But, um, dude, he went out there and just was moving forward the whole time, putting a lot of pressure on Pachota here, and using the body shots really well, man. he was Bill, he was doing this thing where he would kind of fake a straight right and then hit uh, – Pachota with an uppercut, which was working really well. And Pachota just could not get Burial's timing. So, you know, uh, good for Burial. Uh, he said in the interview that he, you know, wanted to go back to his old ways and kind of push the envelope here, which I think he did a really great job of. Um, but any of these fights, if you missed them, go back and watch them. Uh, mm-hmm. The prelims on this card were fantastic, uh, which is something we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. So I'm really excited. I hope this trend continues.
0: Yeah, man, for sure. Um, it was it was definitely an impressive win by by Barry Alt there. Uh, so let's talk about this first fight. Austin Hubbard gets a, a technical TKO over Max Roskopf, who quit on the stool. Uh, told his corner he was done. The corner tried to talk him into it. Um, you know, in between the second and third round, like, no, you're a champion. You got to get back out there. You got to do this. A lot of criticism coming from social media from you know for the corner. Um, you know, we're usually quick to criticize corners who don't have the best interest of their fighters uh at heart. I don't think that's what happened here. I think that the corner just, you know, wanted to see him get out there and try. Um it, full disclosure, I did not see the fight. I only saw what happened in the corner. Jeff, you saw the fight. Uh, do you think the corner was pushing them a little too hard to get back out there?
1: Uh, I'll be honest with you, Bill. I, I do. I think, um, you know, this was, this ended in between the second and third round and, you know, Max Roshko, he was getting pieced up, dude. Um, you know, I know his corner wanted to motivate him, but he, he looked exhausted. Um, uh-huh you know Austin Hubbard was just too much for him uh, i think that you know Roshkoff probably didn't have you know as much time to train as he would have liked to so i felt like you know if if he didn't i felt like he was going to tap soon due to strikes in the mm-hmm. third round so I felt like uh, I felt like his corner, you know, was pushing him just a little too hard. Roshkov, he said a couple of times that he wanted to quit. And when the um, when they called for the stools, you know, he was in no rush to get up. Mm-hmm. So you know, I think that for me that was a dead end sign too. But you know, I, I'm not in the moment. You know, I can only speak as someone on the outside looking in. Uh, but that's just my opinion.
0: Yeah. So from what I know about the situation. Raskop has never had this feeling before where the things that he does well weren't working. And that makes you feel like giving up, you know, a lot of times, you know, fighters will have that feeling in the gym or they'll have that feeling in an amateur fight, or they'll have that feeling in you know their first couple of pro fights. And it, it's a completely natural feeling because you're like, this works against everybody and you know you you can even relate jeff uh you know just for jujitsu for example like you say you have an arm bar that you catch everybody with and you roll with a new person you go for that arm bar and they don't tap and they escape you're like man i get everybody with this why was this guy able to get out and it makes you you know sometimes it makes you question like have i been doing everything wrong um and for him to have that feeling on the stool in his UFC debut, that's shitty, man. And I feel I feel bad for him. You know, he had a big opportunity here, and he had never felt that before. He finished all of his fights pretty much in the first round uh, by submission. Um, so the guy's obviously a great grappler, and he's fought some legitimate promotions. He fought in Titan, uh, FFC. Uh, he's only been in the second round one time, uh, and that was in his first fight. Uh, and even as, even as he has one amateur fight, so like not enough experience to be in here. but but if go through, it's very natural feeling where it's like the things I'm the best at somebody's able to figure it out and stop and it doesn't work on them. And it's like, you have that like big doubt and, and it's a real big mental hurdle to get over, I I heard Sean O'Malley talk about it. Um, when he moved from Montana out to, uh, I believe he's in Arizona right now when he moved out there, he was like, I cried every single day after practice because, you know, I was beating up everybody in Montana. I was winning all my fights and I went into this room and I was getting destroyed every single day. And, um, if you don't have that feeling before you get to this point, before you get to the UFC, uh, then that's just like a huge mental obstacle to get over. Um, and, and I feel bad for him that he had to go through it on that big stage and, you know, where the audio is picked up so clearly because there's no audience and, and it's spread all around the Internet and people saying shitty things about him. But a lot of the people saying shitty things – uh, would have never gotten themselves in that cage in the first place and, and wouldn't be able to overcome that mental hurdle because they don't know what he was feeling. Also, we don't know if he had like an injury going into this. And, you know, it, it, it's not just quitting. Um, you know, it's, you know, granted, it's not something you see very often, but I really felt for him in that moment. Um, and I say a lot of people talking shit on the internet have probably never stepped into a cage until I saw a comment from Dan Hooker, uh, who tweeted that. Imagine getting to the UFC just to find out that you're made of marshmallows. And I get, he's trying to be cheeky and funny with that, but fuck Dan Hooker. Um, You're a real bully and a real piece of shit for saying something like that uh, to a guy who is going through this feeling for the first time um, uh, on the biggest stage of his career in his sixth fight in the UFC. I mean, his sixth professional fight happens to be his UFC debut is what I meant. Um, I thought that was really shitty. I thought that was the equivalent of like picking on somebody who's not a professional fighter, you know, picking on somebody when they're at the lowest moment of their career. Um, that's like a bullying move and I don't vibe with that. Um, I never really had a problem with Dan hooker before, but yeah, man, fuck that guy. Um, I I think that's, I I think you've proven that you're a smaller person than the guy is who, who quit on the stool by, by making a comment like that. And that's, that's where I stand with that. And, uh, Dan Hooker may never hear me saying all this. Um, but if he does, then that's fine. Um, but yeah, Jeff, any other thoughts, uh, for, for Roxcoff here? Um, I may have gotten a little too, uh, bleeding hard about it. Uh, you know, I I'm a pretty rough guy at the end of the day, but I, I felt for him here. Um, because I, I know the mental hurdle he was going through at that moment. And, um, it sucks for him that he had to do it on such a big stage, but you know, that's a risk you take when you, when you take an opportunity like this fighting in the UFC.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely dude. And and I don't blame Max, Max Roshkoff here. Um, you know, your, your first day at a new job, you know, where you're not getting punched in the face is tough. You know, I, I still remember my first day teaching and and seeing that all the stuff that I learned in college and all the textbooks I read, they didn't help me. Um, and mm-hmm. you know, like like you said before, you know, I had to learn on the job and stuff. And even now I don't claim to be good at teaching. It's it's something that I enjoy doing. But um, you know, I feel for Max Roshkov too, you know. Um it, you know, he's he's a small f- for lack of a better analogy here, he he was a small fish being thrown into a big pond and maybe Mm -hmm. he was going through that same stuff that, um, that Sean O'Malley talked about um, Mm -hmm. where, you know, everything, you know, stuff that you have gone to the well on stuff that you know, works because it's worked for you before. And here you are. And and it's not working. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, that that's gotta be overwhelming for anybody. So I don't blame him at all for, for, you know, saying that he couldn't handle it, you know, uh, like you said, a lot of people wouldn't have even stepped in that cage.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, with
1: all the preparation in the world, they wouldn't have stepped into that cage. And... um I was gonna say something else. And also, you know, and I don't really blame his corner either for wanting to push him to to push past that that uh barrier, that wall that he kind of hit. But uh, you know, he's gonna learn from this. He's gonna go back to the gym. Um, you know, for me personally, I felt like I learned a lot from my first jujitsu competition. I knew what it felt like to to you know be that tired or be that um exhausted and and I kind of trained changed my training a little bit. Mm -hmm. um so i i know he's gonna learn from this and i think that dan hooker is no one to speak man because he was probably made out of marshmallows after edson barbosa beat up his body (laughs) (laughs) with all those body kicks when they fought each other yeah dude
0: um you you know big respect to dan hooker as a fighter but uh outside the cage kind of showed his true colors uh, as a piece of shit um and, and as for all the people talking shit on the internet it's like none of you would have gotten off the stool either um and and the times in your life where you didn't get off the stool metaphorically speaking where you quit and gave up on something n- not a lot of people know about it you were able to do that privately um so back off the guy who had to do it uh, on ESPN um in his UFC debut, um, uh, you know, because we all have these moments in our life, Jeff, you know, where you don't want to get off the stool and you just want to quit. You just want to give up, you just want to throw in the towel. Uh, and you're able to do it without people knowing about it. Usually, you know, if it's a job you feel like you can't do, if it's, you know, being a parent and, and you, you just want to, you don't want to do it anymore and you just make the decision to walk away because that's easier. Um, you know, you're able to do that and, uh, and not take a lot of shit for it. So people are, people are giving up and making a lot worse decisions than, uh, Max Rokescop had to make last night for himself. And, um, you know, that's that. We got a little, I usually don't get so, uh, so riled up about things, Jeff, but you know, here we are. <laughs> let's uh let's lighten things up a little bit and talk about Dan Hooker getting his face smashed in by Dustin Poirier next weekend. Uh UFC on ESPN 12. Uh, you know, this is the fight Hooker wanted. He called out uh Dustin Poirier. Uh you know, be careful what you wish for, man. Uh Hooker's got the range and we know he hits hard. Uh, but Poirier's got the cleaner boxing technique and definitely superior grappling uh you know we've seen him we've seen him submit guys who who nobody uh has submitted before uh give me your thoughts on this main event jeff
1: but i'm excited for this one man uh you can never count dustin poirier out uh especially at lightweight man um you know that's the division he beat max holloway at um max holloway who was an excellent featherweight champion uh or was um Definitely one of the best to do it in history. Um, Man, I'd be worried if I were Dan Hooker, man. Um, You know, while I, you know, Dan Hooker's pretty well-rounded himself, I feel like Dustin Poirier's better at those things. You know, his grappling's a little bit better. Boxing, Mm -hmm. definitely a lot cleaner, a lot more technical. So um, I'm really excited for this main event, man. I think it's going to be fireworks. And the co-main event looks really good, too
0: yeah for sure and i i usually jeff you know this and and the people listening know this i don't like to say who i'm rooting for or because i'm usually not you know i'll let you guys know if i know somebody personally and and i have a bias there but um uh, definitely pulling for dustin poirier uh, in this main event and we got mike perry and mickey gall like the the fight we never knew we needed in our life uh <laughs> you know um the the guy who comes out to uh, hey, Mickey, against the guy who has face tattoos. (laughs) 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 And uh, it's really funny when you think about it that way. But um, technically speaking, this is an interesting matchup. You know, Mickey Gall's a tough guy. You know, he's hit some speed bumps in the UFC. But so is Mike Perry. Mike Perry, not the most technically sound fighter. You know, even the takedowns we've seen him attempt in the UFC, just like picking dudes up and, and slamming them down like, like he's in the WWE or something. Just a really powerful guy, um, you know. Good striking when we see him patient in there, and and he's got good grappling too. Hard to submit for sure. Hard to finish. He's real tough in there. Mickey Gall, uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt under Jim Miller, I believe. Um, so you know he's got legit grappling. Uh, how do you see this one going, Jeff?
1: oh i'm excited man i think that if it stays on the feet i think it definitely goes well for mike perry he's gonna want to make it um you know a street fight basically whereas mickey gall wants to take it to the ground so you know classic grappler versus striker um matchup here which i'm really excited for you know i love those two and uh you know mike perry is somebody who he can be hot or cold so I'm really excited to see um, how he has handled his training going into this and mm. how he approaches going with Mickey Gall. Because Mickey Gall is somebody that nobody wants to get on the ground with, man. Um, you know, we've seen him finish many a fighter with uh, his ground game. And, Bill, mm. I'm excited for this heavyweight bout too, man. John Volante versus Maurice Green, dude. Somebody's going to sleep in that fight. I'm super excited for it.
0: Yeah, for sure. John Volante making the move up to heavyweight. and. um You know, he's a guy who everybody always says, you know, he's got this great wrestling background and he never seems to want to use it. He always wants to strike. Um, It's going to be interesting to see him doing that against a guy like Maurice Green, uh, who's a very good striker himself. Um, You know, will he resort to that wrestling at heavyweight? You know, maybe he was holding back on it because of the weight he was cutting to make light heavyweight uh, and he didn't want to expend that energy wrestling what so you hear from a lot of guys like they, like Justin Gaethje, he's like, I know how exhausting it is to wrestle. So if I feel like I can stand with a guy, I'm going to stand with him and, you know, expend less energy. And that, you know, that philosophy makes sense. You know, some people say it the other way, if I can get you down and hold you down, uh, you know, why am I going to bother standing and striking with you? Um, so yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see, um, which way that one goes and, and how Volante looks, uh, at heavyweight. At, um, heavyweight, uh, I'll tell you the sleeper fight on this card, Jeff. For me is Luis Pena against Kama worthy. Um, so worthy and his last fight is UFC debut. He knocks out Devontae Smith, who, you know, is a big up and coming prospect. Um, and you know, 15 and six is a pro. uh but he's got that big, that big win. Uh, in his UFC debut against a guy in, in Luis Pena who, you know, has been around and been in some tough fights. Uh, his last fight with Matt Frivola uh, was awesome. Uh, you know, he looked great in that fight. He's got some real tricky submissions. Uh, he's real slick on the bottom. Like, you know, he, he's doing submissions that like a lot of people have never even seen before. And then he's a really tough striker too. He's long and rangy. Um, but not a whole lot known about this kid comma worthy. So, uh, this is a fun one for me. Uh, you know, Pena, I would imagine is a big favorite here, but worthy. Like, can you really count him out after knocking out a guy like Devonte Smith in his UFC debut? Uh, so that that's, that's the fight to keep an eye on for me, Jeff. Uh, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I think that's a good pick, man. Uh, Luis Peña, like you said, really tough dude. Probably the favorite going into this one, uh, just because I don't know a lot about Worthy, but Devontae Smith's a huge feather in somebody's cap in this lightweight division. Um, Bill, so I actually wanted to, I don't know if you know this, but I'm looking at this card on Wikipedia, and it says that Aspen Ladd and Sarah McMahon were actually scheduled to be on this card. But dude, Aspen Ladd suffered a training injury where she tore her ACL. And her MCL, mm-hmm. Bill. How how long do you think it would take her to recover from that? Because that that sounds horrifying.
0: I mean, a normal person, that's that's a year. Um, for a high level athlete who who's going to do some responsible physical therapy, um, you know, I, I've heard some crazy stories. Um, man, I seven months eight months, something like that. Um, I know our our buddy Gw- Billy Quarantello uh, tore his ACL, and um, he rehabbed himself really smartly. And, uh, you know, if you go back and listen to to Billy on this podcast, he talked about how he just couldn't sleep at night. He started waking up at 4 o'clock in the morning and then started going to the gym and, and working his upper body and just kind of always stuck with that routine. Uh, so now he always wakes up four in the morning goes to the gym uh and then wasn't able to compete in mma but took a boxing fight in the meantime oh, wow. because he was able to box but he wasn't able to like grapple and stuff uh, won his boxing debut um so you know if she does it the smart way she'll be able to bounce back uh, in under a year uh but that's unfortunate yeah i'm looking at sure dog for this card and it says sarah mcmahon is still on the card against unknown fighter but that would have been a great fight oh absolutely uh, Aspen lad. Uh, uh, and then we got Kyle DeCow against, uh, Brendan Allen on the main card as well. That'll be a fun fight. Um, and then we got, uh, you know, a lot of unknown fighters on the prelims here, which, um, as we saw last week, Jeff could result in fireworks. You never know. Uh, maybe not, but. I think worth watching for sure. You got a lot of you got a lot of hungry fighters on here, so I'm looking forward to this card. UFC on ESPN 12. This one will also be at the Apex in Las Vegas, um, and then I think we're on to Fight Island after that. No, in July.
1: Yeah, I think so. It's
0: cool. I like the uh, I like the Fight Island t shirts almost as much as I like the MMA on the Rocks t shirts uh, that are available for purchase now from our. Our friends over at Rip Life One, if you guys want to get a hold of one, uh, if you often find yourself over the top or under the influence or both, uh, then, you know, it's a good shirt for you to be rocking. Uh, the link is uh, in my pinned tweet on Twitter at MMA on the Rocks or in my bio on Instagram. I try to make it as easy as possible for you guys. So, uh, you know, if you want to represent the show, go grab yourself a T-shirt. Uh, it, if not, I, I understand, you know, a lot of people have reached out because they're, they listen internationally and... You know, with the taxes and the shipping and everything like that, it it gets to be a real financial burden. And I definitely don't want to put anybody through and I I definitely understand. But um, if you still want to support the show, then, uh, you know, leave us a review, leave us comments, uh, share the episodes, help other people find it so uh, we can invite more people to the party here. Um, Anything else you want to get off your chest, Jeff? No, I I think we hit everything. So just, you know, to
1: everybody out there who's doing their job as a father, happy father's day to you guys and, you know, keep doing what you're doing.
0: Yeah, man. Uh, you gotta throw that caveat in there uh, for everybody doing it right. Happy father's day. Um, and you know, just be good to each other out there. And if you've been good to each other, then continue doing that. And if you've been an asshole, then, you know, start being good to each other no i'll leave it at that all right uh i got some barbecuing to do for father's day here gonna have a nice day with the fam until next time oh wait if you want to get a hold of jeff i almost forgot animal underscore wilson twitter and instagram you guys know how to get a hold of me it's at mmail rocks everywhere else until next time cheers everybody goodbye